So I've, uh, following this series on Vision 2020, seeing clearly the vision that God has for you. So I've chosen, uh, my title is this, is live your best life now. You know, if you want a vision for your life and you want to know where you're heading and how to handle things that come across our path, whether it's crisis things or the best times and best seasons in your life, you know, choose to live your best life, not in five years' time or not when, you know, you've got a deposit for a house or when you've got a brand new car, but you live your best life now. You live it today. All the announcements that are coming out and, and uh, for some people it's, it's uh, fears rise and different things happen. I mean, you've got a choice of what you do in the day. I got up this morning and we looked out our window and you know that sun was coming up. It's absolutely fantastic. We get a great view right out to the Coromandel. You see the sun uh, rising up and it's, it's very special. In Proverbs 4.18 it says, The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn which shines ever brighter till the full light of day. So if you can prod yourself out of bed before the sun gets up, get out and have a look. Wherever you're living, you're going to see it rising. Those first gleams that come up, and then it just gets powerfully bright. So you can't even look at it. It's so powerful, and, 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 it's, and as it rises, that you, know, you get more and more light until the midday. You know, you're in the full light of day. That's God's plan for your life. You know, that it gets brighter and brighter till you come to fullness in Christ and maturity and in love and grace and become the person God has planned you to be. The other thing we do in the morning is in our house, we have a ritual. Maggie makes our bread and we cut a few slices and we go and feed the sparrows. You know, sparrows are precious, aren't they? In God's sight, Jesus talked about how precious the sparrows are. So we look after them and we throw bread out to them and and uh, we, take, we, we keep an eye on it. If the seagulls come, my wife goes out and chases the seagulls away because they'll pinch all the sparrows' bread. Oh, she's amazing. I'm not quite that energetic, but leave things to be as they are. But, you know, and this morning I got up and I went out and I was feeding the sparrows. You know something? They were acting just the same as they were yesterday. You know, they were... I put the bread out there, the first, the brave ones come first, you know, and then somebody, another one jumps on the fence because they're keeping a watch out in case there's a cat or, or we come out the door or whatever and they can warn all the other birds and they start pecking away, they were chirping away and it was just like, what, hey, I felt like yelling out and saying, hey birds, don't you know what's going on? Haven't you been watching the news? You know, our Prime Minister made an important announcement and the President of America and stock markets. Man, people are suffering. There's a lot happening. Don't you, don't you realize how important it is? But, you know, they just kept picking away. They just kept jumping away. It's, it was just like it was just going to be a great day and the future was looking great. You know, we can learn a lot from the birds. You know, the birds have a secret. They know that their Heavenly Father cares about them. They know that if even one of them falls to the ground, he knows about it. And Jesus said, don't you know that you are far more precious than any sparrow? You know, God watches over your life. He cares about your future. But you know, living life isn't just a matter of walking through life. It's what we do with every day, every gift that God has given to us and making the most of that. I want to share some verses from the book of Ecclesiastes, written by King Solomon. 
one of the wisest men that ever lived. God gave him special gifts of wisdom, gave him great wealth and riches, spent a lot of his time uh, pursuing wisdom and, and building projects and pursuing pleasure. And Ecclesiastes, he's looking back over his life and he's reviewing the good things that he did and the mistakes he made and giving advice about how to live every day. And he sums it up a little bit in chapter 8 and verse 15. It should be in your notes there somewhere. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person to do under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life that God has given them under the sun. I commend the enjoyment of life. See, there's two parts to life, two parts of the things that we do. We live a life where we make commitments. We make commitments to uh, where we live, who we flat with, what studies we do, the work we do, uh, our family, all of those different areas. We make a commitment. We get up in the morning regularly at the same time and rush off, catch a bus or drive to work, and we're committed for those six hours, eight hours, ten hours, whatever we might be working. That's, that's commitment. We do life like that, and all of us do a measure of that. Some are more committed than others. Some are more disciplined than others. But that's what we do. But there's a second part to life. So in everything we are doing, there's, it's about enjoyment and joy. That's a choice that we make. And the reality of this is this that if you are not enjoying your life, if you're not bringing thankfulness and gratitude and joy out of your everyday experience, there's no glory to God in your life. You know, God created you in his image. He gave you great gifts. He gave you the ability to work. He gave you the ability to influence others for good and for God. He's given you so many things in his grace. And it's learning that you know that if we want to live and give glory to God, there's a place of celebration and joy in the midst of it. Also, you're not attractive to people. You know, people don't like grumpy people, people that are down, people that are moaning all the time. You know, there's a thing about enjoyment, a decision that we make that creates an atmosphere around our life. It says about Jesus that he grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and with man. And, you know, we do that by celebrating life and the gifts that are entrusted to us and moving ahead into those celebrations. You know, in every season, we can trust God and walk with him. He will watch over every situation. You know, there are some things that um, Solomon said about particularly the first one is this, and it's the first point on your notes. It's put God first in your life. He was reflecting back over all of his life and all of his experiences. He had great wisdom. He had na uh, nations coming and giving him tributes, giving him money, many visitors coming and praising him for who he was. He said the first thing underlying your life is to put God first in your life. He said, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come. So every young person, you should put God first in your life. Receive Jesus as your savior. Some of you might be here and you say, well, you haven't made that decision and I'm no teenager anymore. Man, I'm way up there. I tell you what, you'll never be younger than you are today. 
So today is the day to make your decision to put God first in your life. This is one of the wisest people that ever lived. Wrote uh, three of the books of the Bible and tremendous amount of proverbs and wisdom about living that can enhance your life and bring a specialness out just by reading and meditating his writings alone. But he said, first thing, put God first in your life. Give him that place in your life to move on in the future that he has for you. My second point is this, is invest in your relationships. So put God first in your life. So settle where you're going. Put him first. Be walking uh, in that direction. Have an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude for all that God has given to you. The second thing is to invest in your relationships. You know, if you want to give your very best into the people that you care for the most, here's the first thing that's, so, that's really important. Be comfortable with who you are. You know, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And, and he said, love others as you love yourself. You know, we are depleted as people in our relationships because so many of us are affected with insecurity or hurt or pain, things that are hold on from the past. And somewhere we've got to decide under God's grace that we can leave the past behind and we can move on trusting him, working through the pain, not, not uh, pretending it's not there, but facing it. And if need be, getting help, getting counsel, friends alongside to help and to pray and to be with you. But moving on out of that, realizing that no matter what's happened in your past, no matter what people have said about you, no matter what experiences you've been through and all the pain and the hurt that's associated with it, you are an awesome person. You know, you are God's special design. You know, we, we all go to different sorts of shops to, to buy our clothes. Some people go to the warehouse. Other people will go to, you know, just uh, some of the, like Hellenstein's Brothers or Glassons or different stores, farmers, and, and we'll choose our clothes from there. But, you know, there are some people, like when they, they do get in the Academy Award nights and that, they get special clothes made for them, the suits and and dresses, they spend thousands, some of them tens of thousands, some of them I'm sure hundreds of thousands, to get something that is special, that's going to bring all the attention back on them, and the focus on them, and nobody else is going to have that because it's a designer's special, it's something for them alone. Well, you know, when God made you, he didn't make you a warehouse level of person. He, he didn't make, he, he made his, there's only you. You are unique. You're a designer special. There's not another one of you on this planet. And there are billions of people. And you are the only one. God looked at you and said, man, you're so good. Gloria, he said it about you. He said, Gloria, you're so fantastic. I'm breaking that mold. I'm chucking it. I'm not going to let anyone else spoil that mold, the specialness of who you are, every one of you. You know, God, you are special to him. You are precious. You don't see those people on the boardwalk running around and playing football and rugby and getting their clothes torn. They, they care for it and look after it. And I tell you what, care for yourself. You know, put the things in place that are going to make you a better person. And as you are comfortable with who you are 
and you realize that there are special gifts that you carry and that you have. You've got something special to give to other people. Don't live a life just for yourself. Don't live a life just to survive through life. Don't even live life just to be successful in life, because all of us should work harder to be a success in, in what we are good at. We should do that. But sometimes success can go to people's heads and become inward-looking. We want to be successful in life so that we can influence other people's lives. We can live a life of significance. We can leave a mark, a deposit on other people's lives because of what God has first given to us. Solomon said this, enjoy life with your wife all the days of your life, whom you love, wife or your husband. You can put whatever there, but all of your relationships, the most special relationships that you have. I mean, here's a little background. I mean, Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. What he's saying at the end of his life, he's reflecting over his life, and he's saying in a loud voice, he's saying, hey, I was dumb. 700 wise. You have no idea the troubles I went through. And you read some of the stories. He had troubles, real troubles. Troubles with God, troubles with these people that he didn't know half of their names of. But he said at the end, looking back, he said, enjoy life with that person that God has entrusted. Those of you that are married, those of you that are preparing for marriage, understand the value, the worth, the preciousness of that relationship that God has entrusted with you. It brings to mind all of these words that are so important in all of our relationships, but more especially in our marriage. Love, respect, honor, appreciate, be thankful for, help with house duties. Don't leave the load on one person. Family duties. Don't be grumpy. Whew. Date regularly. Buy gifts. Romance. Bring romance into your marriage. And I say this about a relationship, a marriage relationship. is this. The relationship you have with each other, the love you have, it's like a fire. You know, and, and, and you have a great fire that's going and it's burning. It's, it's, it's attractive to look at. It's warm. You want to be around it. You want to be near it. You want to be in that environment and in that atmosphere. But anyone who's ever lit fires in their house, they understand this, that, you know, you can load the fire up and you can get it going. And when it's going, it's absolutely fantastic. But it reaches a point where it needs another log to be put on. It needs some more input. It needs something else. And if you miss that moment, if you miss that time, the fire goes down, and sometimes, if it's left long enough, it goes down so much you've almost got to restart the whole thing over again, and you get in a total mess to be able to do that because you've got to take logs out and, and you know, ash gets everywhere. It's, a, it's just a messy thing. It's better to just keep stoking the fire. So in your relationships, you keep putting romance uh, into that relationship. Here's something else I throw in for, for nothing. Do a marriage enrichment course. You know, do a relationship course. 18 months ago, Maggie and I, we've only been married a long time. <laughs> Over 50 years. But we went to one. You know, we've taken them, but we went to one for us to sit down, just to go through things again and be challenged again. And, you know, to bring 
romance, and it, I mean, do all sorts of things. You know, get, if you've got kids at home, you get babysitters, you book a hotel in the city, go down to the viaduct and have a meal, and, 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 and you can do something special like that. But, you know, we can't all afford to do that. I remember one time with Maggie, I mean, we were just busy, busy lives, leading a church and, and the family, and, and one Friday night, we just, the kids were old enough to look after themselves, said, kids, you're staying home, and we went out in the church van, which happened to have Elam, where everybody is somebody in Jesus Christ as Lord, written all over it, you know, things like that. And uh, remember, we bought fish and chips, and we went up, we lived up in Bethel's, or we went up the scenic drive, and just, you know, it's just parked on the side of the road, a beautiful view of all of Auckland. And, uh, you know, we were sitting there for a while and eating our fish and chips, and, and lots of cars were going by, and, and then I realized, you know, as we ate eating the fish and chips, the car was steaming up, the van was steaming up, you know, and, and I thought, oh, help, we better not stay here too long, you know. Either everybody would be saying, man, I'm never going to that church, or else, oh, wow, we're going to that church, you know. I wasn't sure how it would go. You know, you don't have to spend a fortune to have a special moment together in your relationships. You know, even in the tough times, and I just take a minute to say this because I know a lot of you, you know, just uh, having children and, and, and the blessing that babies are and that youngsters are as they, toddlers as, as they grow up. But sometimes they're in the toughest seasons. You know, when you're new in your marriage, when you're paying off a mortgage or you're paying high rent, you're both working, busy with church life, and suddenly a baby comes and your whole world is turned upside down. You never realize how much it'll be turned upside down, but it's a total upheaval. And so more pressures can come on because, you, you know, one's, one's not working and all the different things that happen uh, in that. And kids, you know, when they come, I mean, they're beautiful, they're absolutely awesome, and they bring such joy to your life, but, you know, they're pretty helpless, aren't they? You know, I mean, they can't do anything for themselves. I mean, you've got to poke food in one end, clean up the other end. You know, it's just, it's, it's just all the time, day and night. They learn to cry, and then you've got to interpret, what's that cry mean? Are they in pain, or do they just want me to pick them up? And decisions and pressures that can really come on. And, um, you know, when they grow up, you read them stories, you read them the same story about a thousand times. I remember I used to try to do two pages at once just to, you know, get through it quicker. And they'd always pick it up, say, Dad, you can't do that. And now they say, Poppy, John, Poppy, you missed that page. And then you go to work and you find yourself singing wiggle songs, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's what a time of life. It's absolutely amazing. But I want to say this, that in the midst of family and normal life, pressures come at, at different seasons. You can go through something where finances go all over the show or a redundancy or there's just problems at work or in the business or your studies just gone AWOL and you have an argument with your wife early in the week and you don't resolve it like you ought to straight away, but you let it go on and you let it fester and then the kids are going through things and by now there's two or three kids. And, you, you know, you, you go the whole week where you just haven't been sleeping properly, haven't been able to rest, and then you get to this night. And, you know, you've been up three times to the kids to settle them down. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and you can't sleep. You've got to go to work in the morning. You're not, you've got, your wife's not talking to you, and you're just 
there and you're in that place and you're just everything, your nerves, your mind is screaming. And then suddenly you hear the patter of little feet coming down the passage. And at that point, it's just that one thing too many. And you just get up and you're going to scream. You know, I just want to take time out. Time out. Because whether it's children or it's something else, there are times, there are moments with things like that. We find ourselves in that place. But I want to say especially for mums and dads, I just want to project forward. You know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, that little child, those pattern of little feet, they're going to grow up. You know, they're going to become teenagers. They're going to know a whole lot more than you, or at least they think they will. And so they won't connect with you the same way. And then they'll either get a job and might be overseas or maybe in another city. They might get married and go somewhere else and live. And, you know, and you go on living your life. You know, one day, one night, you're going to be sitting in bed, not able to sleep, but you're just going to be thinking about things, you know, thinking about your kids and life and, and what's going on. And it's about 2 o'clock in the morning and your mind just clicks back. And you know, at that point, you'd give anything in the world to hear the patter of those little feet running up to say, Mummy or Daddy. You know, there are so many precious things in life. In the toughest times can be the greatest times of learning and appreciation and thankfulness to God. And that's where we need to be living day by day, every single one of us. I've written down here, give flowers to people while they live. You know, don't wait to get together with family or friends, good friends. Build the relationships. Visit them. Buy them things. Do something special for them. Last Saturday, Maggie's family had a reunion on her mother's side. And I uh, was down at Raglan. And, uh, you know, we went down there and it was just a lunch at a, at a restaurant but we just spent a few hours together. But, you know, it wasn't a funeral, it wasn't a wedding. It was just great to see each other, something we hadn't seen for years. It was a fantastic time. You know, you just got to sow into things, be creative. You be the instigator of something that's going to affect and influence other people for good. Do the things that are important and sow into people's lives. And I call that giving flowers to people while you have the opportunity. Do something special for a good friend. I mean, I remember one time I got a note one time, and it was somebody who I held in high esteem while he was flying on an aeroplane and taken time to just jot a little note and say some really good things about me and my life. I've never forgotten that. You can do so much without spending a lot of money but being an influence for people. Number three is this, thank God for the gift of work. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. I'm just going to say these things about your work. Because don't just do work for the sake of work. We've got to earn a living. I know I had a brother-in-law, he was a roofer. He didn't just work on the roofs of houses, but he worked for Fletcher. So buildings like this, warehouses, up skyscrapers, tall buildings. He trained himself. You know how those iron girders are, steel girders. He trained himself with all of his tools and equipment to run along them to do his work. And the only trouble was he had a fear of heights. He hated his job. 
Some days he would physically be sick. He would make him just doing the job, the fear of what he was doing. And I, I remember talking to him one day and saying, you know, why do you do it? You've got tremendous gifts. You're a carpenter, you're a builder. He said, he said I need the money. He said, I can't earn money like this on any other job. And, you know, he just kept doing it. And he was working in the garage on the weekends and living his life like that. You know, don't live your life for the weekends. Don't live your life for uh, some time you're going to retire. And so you're just building things towards it. Malcolm Forbes said this, the biggest mistake people make in life is not trying to make a living at doing what they most enjoy. As a result, they simply endure their working lives instead of making the most of them. You know, find some. If you're not happy in your job, I mean, don't just leave tomorrow, but start working and planning towards moving towards something that fits in with your spiritual giftings so that you can enjoy what you are doing. And my last point is this. Thank God. Praise God for where he is working. What did the early church do? Just have a look at that scripture there. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They met in the church and they met in their homes, praising God, enjoying the favor of the people. They stood in awe. You know, sometimes here in the worship, I just, the touch of God, that isn't just touching me, it's touching you. And every time we get together, God is here to heal, to restore, to take away grief, take away pain, bring us to a better place. I stand in awe of that. You know, appreciate it. Get a sensitivity towards what the Holy Spirit is doing through our worship team and as we engage and reach out to him. They were filled in awe with every wonder and sign. Four people put up their hands last week to receive Jesus as their Savior. There's no greater uh, gift. There's no greater event that can happen in our life. And it says they were praising God and enjoyed the favor of the people. Praise God for where God is working. You know, in Hamilton, my last church, we used to, uh, after our Sunday evening service, we used to clear all the chairs out for the, for the children's ministry. And I still remember this one night. You know, we were doing it. So we, we cleared, we, about 10 of us cleared all the chairs out. But one of my deacons, Henry, he was sitting in about the second or third row, about four seats in. And, and he, he was just sitting there. Well, and, and he was one of the guys who always used to come and do the work, but he was just in a place, and I could just see the Spirit was on him, and I just signaled everybody to leave that row of chairs, and uh, so, and everyone cleared off, and, and Henry's still sitting there, just looking up, up at the platform, and so I sat down on the end seat, I didn't want to break into his space, just wanted to be there, and I just sat there and reflecting on, you know, what God had done. And he just said this. He says, man, I love this church. And, you know, I said, so do I. You know, there's something about taking a moment to reflect on the goodness of God. This is an awesome church. And you're an awesome people. So many of you have got friends here, close friends. You know, you value them. Believe for each other, have fun together. Do all the great things. But just understand that in the midst of it all, God is always working. You know, I just want to take a moment before I hand over and uh, just want to say this. 
You know, if you've never received Jesus as your saviour, I'm not just saying this as a, as a plug. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. And it will set the course of your future on a good road. You know, we're living in a season. Some of you are going to, you know, just taking a step, one step at a time. But we're going to walk through this. We're going to walk through it with great grace. We're going to not be a, a, a casualty of what's happening. We're going to be a people that benefit others, that influence others, encourage other people to be positive about this season that we're heading through.